It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Uh, welcome to episode number 361 of Locked On Raptors for July 18th, which will be now known as Kawhi Day forever henceforth. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On podcast for all 30 NBA teams. There's a lot of great information being spewed about all the different teams across the network, from people in the know, local perspectives, all that great stuff. Uh, listen to Locked On Spurs today, for example, with Jeff Garcia. I'm actually doing a podcast with Jeff tonight that'll drop tomorrow morning, so listen to that. Um, but until then, please uh, find the show that you like, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And if you find our show, Locked On Raptors, its own little separate page there, leave a rating or review is the best way to support the show. I very much appreciate it. I'm sure there are some people tuning in who have not listened to the podcast before because of the news and the big nature of today's events. But uh, if you haven't checked it out or if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. It's the best way and it really helps to uh, move us up the rankings, makes us more visible, stroke my ego, all that good stuff. So thanks in advance for taking the small amount of time that it requires. All right, on today's show, as I've teased, we're talking about Kawhi Leonard, who is now a Toronto Raptor, which is weird as hell to say. And joining me to talk about this very weird thing that is actually part of our lives now is our, my friend, our, your friend, Dan Grant. How's it going, buddy? Going very well. Very interesting day. Big one in Raptors history. Yeah, certainly. Our pal Vivek Jacob, of course, co-host of this show sometimes, uh, filling host while I was away, he uh, texted me at like 5.45 in the morning being like, what a night. And I was like, uh, what, did you have like a bender or something? What's going on? Uh, and I was like, what are you talking about? I turned on Twitter and uh, saw that Woj was just t- teasing everyone, blue balling everybody by tweeting at like 4.23 that a deal had been agreed to or was close to happening and didn't tweet for like 
two hours after that. Um, and then, of course, all the news breaks. And I guess we should say what the deal is for people who haven't heard. Uh, the Raptors have traded DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a protected first rounder in 2019. Protected one through 20. Uh, and I think it takes two years. And if it takes two years to convey, then it will eventually become two second round picks. Probably he's going to convey this season if the Raptors are a top 10 team, which I would imagine they will be. Uh, so that's the deal. Heading to San Antonio. Coming back, Kawhi Leonard who is, of course, an expiring contract uh, free agent on July 1st of 2019. And Danny Green, who is also an expiring contract, uh, as a guy that I wasn't really expecting to be thrown in the deal. I, I mentioned his name yesterday on the podcast we did talking about the Kawhi thing, but never really thought it would happen. And that is the deal. And I don't know, Dan, let's just start with your initial reaction to the trade. Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, where were you when you found out about it? All that good stuff. Yeah, same like you. It was early this morning. I uh, my alarm went off around six fifteen, and I looked at my phone, and I saw somebody had tweeted at me, "Crazy night, eh?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then I went on Twitter as you do, and uh, got kind of the news kind of the same way that you did. Um, I mean, is it good? Is it bad? It's such a it's it's funny how complex a question it is when you know you've traded for a guy that his last two healthy seasons came top three in MVP voting. You you got to say, well, that's pretty good, but. Um, given the, the DeMar DeRozan's going the other way, the, uh, I understand why some people are apprehensive. And also, it's not like Kawhi Leonard's coming off one of those MVP, you know, top three MVP seasons. He's coming off a season where he only played nine games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has also, I mean, he hasn't done it because he doesn't speak because he's a robot. <laughs> but uh, the, you know, inklings and uh, multiple people have reported that he let the Raptors know he had no interest in coming to Toronto. So, and they did it anyway. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some uh you know apprehension uh on that side of it but you know you look at it in a vacuum as a basketball trade it makes it makes a hell of a lot of sense and a lot of different reasons which i'm sure we'll get to so i think i'm I'm happy that they did it no matter what and we'll get into that but uh it's definitely you know for people who have watched DeRozan grow from you know the, the kid he was when they drafted him in 2009 to the player he became you know becoming second team all nba um and just being a you know, multiple-time all-star, it's definitely a bittersweet day to say goodbye to him. Yeah, I want to get to DeMar in a second. I'm going to do a full uh, DeMar tribute podcast, I think, on Friday with uh, Katie Heindel, so stay tuned for that. But um, just the, the the trade as it happened, like, yeah, it was kind of... There was lots of emotions running through me this morning when I saw that it was happening because DeMar and Kawhi were the only two names mentioned for a long time. And so you're kind of sitting there trying to bargain, like, okay, DeMar's leaving. Like, this is really sad. Kawhi's coming. This is great. Chris Haynes tweets that Kawhi has no desire to play in Toronto. You kind of take that with a grain of salt, and we'll get into why that should be taken with a grain of salt as well. Um, And just sort of, you know, you're kind of going through the motions a little bit because DeMar was such an important Raptor, has been such a crucial part of this team for five years, nine years really, but the last five years as they've kind of become relevant, he was instrumental in that. And it's just hard to move on from that and to accept that we've seen the last of DeMar in a Raptors uniform. And then as it gets longer and longer before we know the actual particulars of the trade, we're sitting there like, all right, uh, I've accepted that one of Pascal or OG or maybe both are going the other way. I'm just kind of like, all right, well, this is like the deal. This is what's going to happen. And then Danny Green gets mentioned as the first guy outside of Kawhi and and DeMar to be involved in the trade. And I'm sitting there like, all right, well, this definitely means one of Pascal or OG is gone. And then it comes down that Jakob Pertl and the first round pick is super protected of the only things going the other way. And I was just kind of over the moon. Like, it's, it's like on paper, a really good basketball trade for the Raptors. And yes, there are lots of 
extenuating circumstances that dampen that a little bit and could make this not, you know, the win that it seems to be on paper for the Raptors. But just to be able to trade, which well, the guy that I think is probably the least exciting, maybe you could say him or DeLon Wright, uh, you know, as, as far as upside goes, but like of, of the, the Raptors' young guys, to give up the guy who is probably the least upside play of all those guys, along with a first-round pick that's probably not going to be all that great anyway, it's and then Demar of course, which obviously that's tough. But replacing Demar with Kawhi, like that's just a no-brainer. Kawhi is a better player than Demar. Kawhi is, fills all of the the weaknesses that Demar has, while also bringing most of his strengths to a greater degree. Like he's a fantastic NBA player, an MVP MVP caliber player, and that it just it seems like such a perfect trade on paper for the Raptors and such a worthwhile risk considering they didn't give up, you know, an OG or Pascal. So would you have, had OG or Pascal been involved, how would you think your perception of the trade would have changed? I mean, like you said, I assumed that one of them was going to be going. Yeah. And I pretty much assumed it was going to be OG. Yeah. And I don't know how I would feel about it. I think I would be pretty, uh, not upset, but I probably would feel the same, but I wouldn't feel as good about it from a basketball perspective. When you talk about it purely from a basketball perspective, the trade is just like a huge win for Toronto um, for this season and for next season, regardless of what Kawhi does. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, so say he comes and, you know, says, you know what, I'm not going to resign here, but, I mean, he doesn't say that, but we kind of assume that. And... Uh, you know, is awesome for a year. Great. That means they have a legitimate shot of going to the finals, and he's a guy who's proven that he can hang with the Warriors, and maybe they go there and make some noise. You know, absolute best-case scenario, they take them to five or six games, and he says, you know what? I have a really easy path in the East. I'm going to resign here, and let's do this again. Mm-hmm. That, that's, like, the best-case scenario. I don't think it's likely to happen, but you never know. Like, that's that's what you have to assume. Like, that's your ceiling. But the, the floor is that, as some people have worried, is that maybe he just says, you know what, screw you. I told you I didn't want to come, and he just doesn't come at all. And if that if that happens, which I don't – again, also I don't think is likely. I think what's going to happen is somewhere in the middle of those two situations. But um, – you're still fine because the team that you had, if you just ran it back again, and I wanted them to run it back again, if that was the only you know feasible option, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. You, you were going to have maybe the same kind of chance you had the last couple of years, which is a very good chance of making the finals. They were a very good team, you know, one seed in the East last year. But if you know you looked at it and you're like, well, we could do the same thing again, or we could try something else. And if they want to rebuild, if they want to rebuild around the young guys and they know that they're going to have to start paying these young guys in a couple of years, getting DeRozan's contract off the books now and not really giving up that much to do it in terms of long-term assets is amazing. It's an amazing thing to do. And then you also think that, you know, if he says he doesn't want to play here, you still have his rights. You can still trade him. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're probably trading Kyle Lowry, too, if you can, to somebody, maybe to a contender, maybe even after this season when he's only got one year left on his deal. Mm -hmm. You can do things to recoup, you know, a a heavily protected first-round pick. That's not a big deal to me to give that up. And... Yeah, I mean, if you included one of those guys, the trade looks worse. But the trade right now, to me, from a basketball sense, like it just looks fantastic. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. 
your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Yeah, so there, for the most part, I think it's been a pretty positive reaction, I think. You know, at least people, maybe it's just like the echo chamber of the internet, uh, the people that I have uh, on my feed, like, it seems pretty positive. There has been a bit of a backlash, though, because of the uncertainty going forward, right? And because, you know, DeMar was such a beloved player and all these things kind of, you know, congealing together to make this into sort of a boogeyman trade a little bit that, you know, some people perceive as like a... I don't know, like a premature destruction of the core in in, in favor for like one year of, you know, p- potentially just one year of Kawhi leaving and that's it. And, and like when they say that, like, I don't think that's a bad thing, particularly because, you know, and this first of all, let me preface all this by saying that I am the king of team run it back like you. I was totally OK with them running it back. I, I'm pretty sure I said at the start of the summer. I don't care if they run it back with the same team because winning lots of games is fun and it's not like they can go get a superstar. Well, hey, look, I'm a dumb idiot and I was wrong and they went and got a superstar and that was the one way in which I was okay with sort of blowing up the the core that's been here for so long and changing things up. You know, I don't think you were going to do that. You're, I don't think you were going to trade DeMar for spare parts and say, all right, like, yeah, like, if, this, if they make a trade with the Spurs and it's Patty Mills and Danny Green and some picks, like, I'm probably pretty upset about that because that's not setting you up to compete next season, which next season was always supposed to be the go all in for it at year anyway of this window. And instead, they doubled down on next year being the all in window, traded DeMar, which hurts still, obviously, but you get Kawhi Leonard who can help you be much better. And I think William Liu put it way more sort of precisely than I'm trying to right now. But he said, essentially, you trade in two years of uh, a sort of high ceiling, but not particularly high, like second round, third round at best ceiling for a a much higher ceiling in a one-year window. And it kind of sets you up afterwards as well, a lot better to sort of transition into the tank. I I mean, if that's what's going to happen. And like, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Kawhi is going to leave. I think the Raptors are betting on themselves, and I'm glad that they're betting on themselves. Like, if you're not, if you're going to build your team to be this relevant franchise and not take advantage of you being relevant, then I don't know what the point of doing it is. So I'm glad they're doing it. But even if Kawhi leaves, not having DeMar on the books after that makes the transition so much easier because instead of having Kyle or having having DeMar on the roster with all the young guys, like it's going to be harder to become super bad right away, right? Like. DeMar brings a floor with him that does not allow a quick, easy tank. And it might be that the young guys are too good for that anyway in a couple of years, and maybe you're looking at a, a fringy playoff team with the young guys a couple of years down the road anyway. But I think having DeMar sort of complicates the rebuild a little bit because you're still trying to appease DeMar. You still have this guy who's in his prime on, on the team, and that kind of complicates the whole thing. Um, maybe you can trade him or whatever, but I feel like this is probably the peak of his value right now when you know he's locked in, he's got control, and he just is coming off an All-NBA season. Like We don't know what next year was going to look like. Like or whatever, but uh, you're, you're trading him at the peak of his value, so I think that's a good thing, and I think, you know, you go on beyond this year, and there's just like a ton of cap space available if Kawhi leaves, and you decide to trade Kyle and Serge, and even if not, you're a year away from those guys being off the books, DeMar's money's off the books, Danny Green's money will be off the books, it's just, you're losing, you're, you're gaining a lot of flexibility for whatever your next chapter is going to be, whether it's hunting free agents, whether it's just sort of going into the tank for a couple of years and rebuilding, I, like, I just think, 
having Demar would complicate that rebuild, and I think this this kind of sets them both up for right now and what should be a competitive season in 2018-19. Is that where we're on? Um, right. And also just sort of like a smoother transition the year after. But um, I don't know. Do you have any stray thoughts about what I just rambled on about there for three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like you said, I think even more than uh, complicating a rebuild from a talent perspective, it just complicates if one of these guys breaks out. Yeah. If... Um, you know, OG turns into a star, or if Van Vliet keeps improving, and or Siakam, you know, that video that was posted on Twitter the other day, if that becomes what he can do in the NBA now, um, you're gonna have to pay these guys. Mm-hmm. So if you have Demar at 30 million or just under 30 million on the books for three more years, that really does complicate that, and those paydays are coming up fast. Mm-hmm. So if this year, you know, we don't know this year yet, it's still kind of a, a bit murky but if you're looking at their long-term plans the fact that they were uh, freed that space up now uh they, they've kind of done themselves in both the short and the long term so from a basketball uh, perspective it's it's really a, an amazing move for you yeah so sorry you're breaking up a little bit there um so uh, yeah i think we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is Kawhi and his injury and his perceived lack of desire to play in Toronto. Like, that's all sort of factored into, I think, why the return for him was so low for the Spurs comparatively to what you would expect for, uh, you know, a top five player in the league. Um, how concerned are you about all this, all the things going on with him, whether it's his agent, his uncle, whatever it is, his his, his quad, the fact that he doesn't want to play? Like, do any of these things strike you as serious concerns for what he's going to do for the Raptors this season while he's under contract with them? I mean, yes, they do. Uh, obviously, his health is an issue. Um, the fact that he missed 73 games last year uh, and the fact that he went to go th- see three different uh, external doctors and those doctors disagreed with the Spurs doctors and you know there was the public fighting between him and Tony well Tony Parker at least saying that his injury wasn't as bad and this that and the other which seemed to cause the rift in the first place you want to know that this guy's healthy now I did see on ESPN that he was thinking about going to the Team USA minicamp to kind of display that he is healthy so that's positive but that was before the trade so who knows if he'll do that um, you hope that he takes his physical for the Raptors and you know things are good and he can actually be on the floor whether or not he wants to be here and that's the other hand is you know i've seen people worrying that this is going to be quote unquote an alonzo morning situation which i think <laughs> is patently ridiculous because that situation was alonzo morning at age 34 with a potentially career-ending kidney disease <laughs> this is not that <laughs> um and the fact that rob babcock traded for him anyway and then paid him 10 million dollars and then he went and played for another team is an indictment of Rob Babcock, not Alonzo Mourning or Kawhi Leonard. It has nothing to do with this situation at all. Um, now, given the fact that it was so weird that what happened with him in San Antonio last season, could I see you know, a possibility of him saying, you know what, screw you, I told you I didn't want to come, I'm going to sit out? I think it would be really stupid, but yes, I guess I could see that happening. But then he's still Kawhi Leonard, he's still you know, in the situation he was in, and the Raptors just kind of find themselves where the Spurs were, looking mm-hmm. for a trade, and I'm sure you could still trade him. Um, at the very worst, I mean, is he going to sit out and forfeit his whole salary? I just don't see any precedent for a guy sitting out two full seasons just because he's unhappy with where he's playing. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. So am I concerned? Yes. Am I cautiously optimistic that he's probably going to play for the team? Yes. So, but the, the other thing is you just don't know at this point. What about, what about you? 
Yeah, I, I just think there are enough sort of reasons why he shouldn't sit out that I think he will just play. Like, I think, you know, for A, from the fact that, like, yeah, if you don't show up per the CBA, if you're healthy and you don't show up to practices and games, you can be fined for every single one of those you miss up to the entirety of your salary, up to $20.1 million or whatever he makes. That is, like, not nothing. Like, that's enormous. And maybe, you know, we've seen Kawhi. Like, he passed up the Supermax from the Spurs. Maybe he's not going to want the the five-year max the Raptors can offer him next summer. Maybe he doesn't care about money at all. Maybe the 20 million bucks is peanuts to him. But I think that's probably pretty stupid to think that 20 million bucks is peanuts. Um, and also, I just think, like, he's in a contract year. And, yes, maybe the Lakers are just going to pay him the max anyway. But... I do think there's a risk there for the Lakers. If like you go two years of Kawhi Leonard not playing any games, nine total games over two years, and just like actively sitting out and burying two franchises in the process, like I do wonder if the Lakers look at that and say like maybe we don't want to give this guy full full you know, full value of on a deal. Like we're not under any obligation to do so just because he wants to come here. And maybe there's other free agents next summer in a loaded free agency class that LeBron's more comfortable sort of attracting and luring to play with him there as opposed to Kawhi after sitting out two seasons and maybe the Clippers will pay him anyway but like again that's a lot to invest in a guy who just sat out two seasons burning two franchises it just doesn't seem all that intelligent from a a value perspective from from Kawhi so I think he's going to play and like there's no better thing he can do for his own value than to play be Kawhi Leonard and help the Raptors be like a finals team like this can be a finals team if he's if he's playing like this is a really good roster it's super deep it goes from having some of the worst wing defense in the league to probably the best now. It's uh, It should be a really good team, and, and Kawhi being part of that, whether or not he wants to be here long term, like I, I think it behooves him to be part of that and to you know be Kawhi Leonard because it's going to sort of dictate what he gets on his next deal. Um, and like I, I don't know, it just feels like from the Lakers' perspective in particular, you're sitting there with LeBron at 35, like it's a lot to gamble. It's a lot to put a, like, to, first of all, to not trade for him this year and, and wait a year while LeBron's going to gain another year of age and career and minutes and all this stuff. Like it, it feels like it'd even be more of a risk to get a guy who hasn't played for two seasons to pair with him and just hope it works out. Like that seems like a pretty big leap of faith for 35 year old LeBron. Um, so the, yeah, that, that's kind of, those are the safeguards I think that are kind of in place against this happening. Um, Zach Lowe mentioned in his piece breaking down the trade that it's kind of an empty threat that he's not going to play unless he is willing to sit out for 20 million bucks, which that seems highly unlikely because I don't really know anyone who would do that. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's, I guess it's on the table. I guess we've seen him do it last year. Maybe there's a way he can, you know, finagle an injury situation out of it and, and make it so he doesn't play. I don't know, but, um, it, it seems like. I don't know. I don't know if the Raptors make this trade without some sort of inclination that he'll play for the team. And maybe they do. Maybe they don't care. Maybe it's it's there's enough in the way of offloading future salary that it's worth it, the, worth the gamble without talking to Kawhi or his people ahead of time. But uh, like as much as there are reports coming out for people like Chris Haynes or whoever that Kawhi doesn't want to play there, like I don't think Masai makes this trade completely blind, right? And maybe that's oh, me being entire, maybe that's me being entirely naive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. And also, if say he did do what you said, and he you know made it an injury reason why he sat out two years, I don't think sitting out two years with an injured quad is going to do anything for his value either. Like, mm-hmm. look at what Demarcus Cousins was just forced to sign for, mm-hmm. um, you know, with one injury. Now it's an Achilles, but still, if this guy has a debilitating quad injury that causes him to miss most of two seasons, like he's not getting the max from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense for him to get out there. And even though the max now that he can sign for is less than what it was, it's still four years 141 million bucks so 
is he going to give up 20 million and then also give up his chances at that? Like, I, I don't think he wants to be kind of, you know, the next Isaiah Thomas, you know, giving up the Brinks truck full of money. So I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely don't see a situation where he would sit out. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Also, like, I think the power of Maasai is not to be underestimated here. Like, yes, maybe there's a bit of a, an issue, a rift with with DeMar and how it was handled, and we could talk about that, although we're already, like, well deep into this podcast. But, um, like, yeah, it's uh, Maasai made this trade having stakes with Barack Obama in Kenya. Like, this guy has influence and power, and I feel like if anyone's going to do a sell job on Kawhi to A, come to Toronto and play, and then B, potentially stay long-term, like, I'm glad Maasai is the guy running those pitch meetings. Um, so I, I'm not particularly worried he's not going to play. And I think on the court, we haven't even talked about on the court what it's going to look like. Maybe we should do that right now. Um, Absolutely. So Kawhi on this team, like I said, they go from having some of the worst wing defense in the league to having probably the best when you throw in Danny Green as well. Um, they can play enormous lineups that are incredible at defense. They can play small lineups that are incredible at defense. They're just going to be good at defense, I think, assuming every and like all the caveats, like assuming Kawhi's healthy and plays, like that just kind of apply, applies to this entire conversation. So we don't have to say it five hundred times. But um, I don't know. What are you looking forward to most of the in regards to the on court fit of Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors? Just the pure athleticism and length. Like if you're thinking about some of the fun lineups they could throw out there, like you could throw out Delon Wright with Danny Green, Kawhi OG, and Siakam. Yep. Like. <laughs> Good luck scoring. Like, that team would just be unbelievable running the fast break, and just the defense would be incredible. Now, is that a lineup they play all the time? Probably not. Maybe you sub in Lowry uh, from one of the guard spots, and you can also put a Bach out there at center. Like, it's just going to be a way different, more athletic, defensively devastating team if they're playing, you know, at the, if everybody's invested and, you know, Nick Nurse. Who knows what his defensive schemes will look like, but I, I, it, I think it's they, they have the potential to be one of the best defensive teams in the league, if not the best. Well, maybe not the, the best. The Warriors have had that mantle for years and have earned it, but like they're going to be right up there. They're, they're, the ability they have to switch, to you know, create turnovers, to run the fast break, I think is just going to be really, really fun to watch. They were just the fifth best defensive team in the league with Demar Derozan playing thirty plus minutes a game. Like <laughs> that's not easy to do when DeMar DeRozan is out there all the time because DeMar DeRozan plays next to no defense and like, I don't want this to turn into a DeMar slagging contest because uh, I have nothing but respect and love for DeMar DeRozan and again we'll get to that on Friday but um, yeah like they're going to be an excellent defensive team and like offensively 
Kawhi does a lot of the stuff that DeMar did. I think if there's one area in which you could say DeMar is better than Kawhi, it's playmaking. And I think that, uh, you know, is a testament to what DeMar's done over the last couple seasons in terms of putting in work for his game. But, like, other than that, like, Kawhi does the mid-range shooting thing just better than DeMar. He does the three-point shooting thing better than DeMar. He's an excellent spot-up shooter. He's going to work really well off of Lowry. I think Lowry can work well off of him. You can run, like, crazy pick-and-pops with Kawhi and, and Surge. Like, there's lots that you can do with Kawhi. And I just think, you know, with Nick Nurse, who seems to really have a lot of creative ideas with how to use a team, you know, that was originally going to have DeMar DeRozan on it, but now has just, like, a way more modern-fitting player, like... He's got a lot of toys to play with here, man, and I think it's going to be pretty exciting, and I don't know what the Raptors' offense is going to look like. I think it will probably have a lot of principles that we saw last year, but I, I, I'm curious to see exactly how it all comes together because I think Nick Nurse is a really smart dude when it comes to offense and defense as well. Like, that, that's, like it's not, not, not forget about that. He was a defensive guy sort of heralded as that coming in to the NBA. So, I, I mean, like, this just... There's lots of toys there. I don't really know exactly how it's going to look offensively because Kawhi is a different player than DeMar, but the way he's different is that he's kind of easier to fit in, right? Like, DeMar had to have the ball in his hands so much. And that, you know, again, like, that worked for the Raptors last year because it allowed Kyle to hang out off ball, which is very effective. But, you know, at the same time, when you're so reliant on DeMar having the ball in his hands so regularly, that kind of pigeonholes your offense a little bit where maybe it can be more diverse this season where you can have Kawhi out there with DeLon and and, Fred, and Kyle Lowry or Fred and you just don't know who's going to be the guy to sort of initiate possession to possession. And I, I just think it's pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, like, what's your... Okay, let's play a little quick bar game. What is your favorite potential Kawhi Leonard-involved lineup that the Raptors can throw out? Okay. Uh, well, you got to have Kyle Lowry out there. So. Yep. Let's go Kyle Lowry, uh, DeLon, uh, OG, Kawhi, and Ibaka. That's pretty fun. I think. That's pretty fun. I think. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I debated with Ibaka, but yeah, I think it's Ibaka. I think if he's playing the five with that lineup, I think he could be pretty devastating. Yeah, Ibaka at the five is useful. Um, and yeah. I it's... He has probably suffered worse PR than anybody since the playoffs, but uh, I think Kawhi is still an effective player who's maybe making a little bit too much money but can still be useful. Um, my choice would be Kyle with DeLon. Actually, no, Kyle. Oh, God. <laughs> this is hard. Probably something like Kyle, DeLon, OG, Kawhi, and, uh, and Pascal at center. Or you go super yeah. big and you go... Because the Pascal Abaka front court has worked pretty well. It worked great in that game three against the Cavs, for example, and in small samples last year. So maybe you go Kyle, OG, Kawhi, Pascal, Abaka, and just go super big. That's yeah. kind of fun too. That the it's it's is, such an interchangeable roster now. It's crazy. No, and, ne- and neither of us even mentioned Fred VanVleet, who's yeah, freaking awesome, yeah. and will you know play? He's going to play a ton of minutes next year, and he's going to be a huge part of the team. Like that's it's the fact that. They have so much versatility, and they can switch things out, and just have so many different pieces that you're not pigeonholing anyone. You're not playing CJ Miles with the four. You're not, you know, putting people where they don't belong. There's just so many people who can play multiple positions. It's just really fun. And not having Pirtle on the roster kind of clears that area of the roster out a little bit too. So you're not stuck having to play. 35 minutes a game or 40 minutes a game with one of Jonas or Pirtle there just to get them their minutes, right? Like, you can have Serge and 
Jonas just take up the lion's share of minutes at center and not worry about it. And like maybe throw Pascal there sometimes. Maybe get super creative and throw OG there at times. Um, maybe they sign a center to sort of fill out the roster. Maybe they bring back Bebe. Do you, but, you think they're yeah. going to add another big man? I think they might. I think they for, might just for depth purposes and like, you know, yeah. you never know injuries and stuff like they always happen. So it makes sense to have another one. Maybe they just bring back Bebe or try to find mm-hmm. someone a little bit more reliable. I haven't even looked at the free agent list, but... That's a possibility too, um, but just like not having Pirtle there, who you have an investment in as a first-round pick, who was the ninth overall pick, and I love Yaka Pirtle, and he's spursy as hell, and I think he's going to be great there. Um, like that kind of frees you up to be a little bit more creative with how you use your front court rotation too, and having so many wings, you can slide some wings down to soak up some minutes at the four, and like it's going to be really fun for Nick Nurse to put together this NBA 2K minutes chart, but um, I think it's going to be hard because it's just there's so many guys who can play so many different spots. Like Danny Green can play the two or three. You can have Miles play the two, three, or in theory the four, although I'd rather not see that anymore. Um, you could have Kawhi play the two or three or four. OG play the two or three or four and go super big. Like it, There's just so many op- op- options available when you have this many wings, especially wings who aren't just enormous defensive liabilities. And we haven't even talked about Norm. Norm's still kicking around. So um, I saw Eric yeah. Kareen, I believe it was Eric Kareen, threw out on Twitter that they, they should try to uh, flip Norm for John Henson from the Bucks mm. if they need another center. Because yeah. he's on a similar deal, but it's a year shorter. Right. Yeah, that can make some sense. Uh, yeah. If the Bucks are into fixing their old mistakes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or, make, or making new ones. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Norm, I, here's the thing. I is, I, I was... I was yeah, kind of excited for, for a second there, like when I thought um, like DeLon or someone was going to get dealt, and obviously like DeMar getting dealt, and I didn't think Danny Green was coming back. I was like, hey, Norm's going to have a role in this team. That's fun. Like maybe that'll be good. But now I'm kind of relieved that he doesn't have a, a pronounced role again. Uh, I don't know. I have weird feelings about Norm. I think he's still good. I don't want to give up on him yet, but um, I'm glad he's not going to be counted on to be good next season. I guess that's the way I would put that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I tweeted when that I saw Danny Green was in the trade about Norm. It was the uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia gif with Dennis Reynolds talking about he's made of rage, he's <laughs> flipping things over and screaming, and the whole thing going blurry. He <laughs> <laughs> thought he was going to have a role for two days or ten hours or whatever. So sorry, Normie. Oh, poor Norm. But yeah, a Norm for a big. I don't mind that idea at all, considering that three all three of the Raptors point guards can also play the two. Um, and probably should play the two. I don't mind. I think there's still a move to come. Like, if you had to bet on there being a move, would you say that you would expect one? Yeah, something. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, With you know, given how up against the cap they are and, uh, you know, the amount of... I mean, we're talking about how much versatility they have, but there is quite a lot of duplication now mm-hmm. as well. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe they, they could do something. Uh, they probably do need to add a big guy, but you don't want to... Do uh, you have to do anything major? But yeah, I would say there'd probably be a, a tweet coming. Yeah, even then, like a Jonas Surge Pascal front court, not bad. Yeah. That's pretty good yeah. for your top three when Kawhi yeah. is also hanging out on the wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, they're gonna be good. I'm excited for this team as much as I mean, it's so long between now and the season that we're gonna be probably fretting over whether Kawhi is gonna play for the next three months, but. Yeah, can he, can he talk? I mean, I'm sure Spurs fans, he's not going to, but can he just say something? Even if it was like, F you guys, I'm not coming. Like, I need to know how to feel. I'm and really, feel like, yeah. yeah. I'm really yeah. excited for uh, him and OG's just simpatico defensive communication <laughs> with no words whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> they just look at each other and they know to switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. 
Yeah, um, that's going to be a fun dynamic. Uh, the team definitely got less talkative with this move because Demar always there to talk and always maybe not the most interesting quote in like the post game presser scenario, but like you always got good stuff from him and features and stuff like that. And then Yak, like low key, was probably the best guy to talk to on the team, especially if you wanted to t- talk like X's and O's because. No one was talking to him in the post gamers except for sometimes like Austrian reporters who were there. Um, right. And you could go over and just talk to him about X's and O's for five minutes, and he was totally game to do that. So I'm going to miss Yak for that reason. And he's just like, a good guy, and he's a great dunker and stuff. And I'm going to miss the Yak and skills. I'm going to miss the Kyle and Damar. Um, we didn't get much time to talk about Damar, but I'm going to save that for Friday because we have so much. I'm going to milk as much content out of this as I can before things go right. dark for a little while. But. Um, yeah, overall, the, the Raptors have Kawhi Leonard now, and maybe it's going to be short-lived, but I think the gamble is worth it. I think the upside uh, and sort of the, the chance to bet on yourself and say, hey, we can convince a guy to stay, I, I think it's well worth it. Any parting shots before we wrap this thing, Dan? I just want to say thanks to Damar. I probably won't be there on Friday. You're doing that thing with Katie. So yeah. uh, I, I loved him. He was one of my favorite, uh, my favorite Raptors ever, if not my favorite, and to watch him grow as a player was uh, was a privilege, and uh, you know I wish him all the best in San Antonio. I know there's some hurt feelings, but I know when he comes back to Toronto, I'm pretty sure every single person in the building will be on their feet for him. So it's uh, it's kind of a melancholy day, you know. You're hopeful for the future, but uh, that that's all I wanted to say. I, I, I was an honor to you know kind of experience his growth over the years, and all the best in the future. Yeah, I uh, totally echo that sentiment. I think the nice thing about DeMar is that maybe, like, the front office, maybe there's a bridge burned there between them and him, but, like, I, I do believe that DeMar and the Toronto fans will kind of forever have this bond, and I, I, I think that's not going anywhere anytime soon, and I don't think DeMar is going to sort of forsake the entire fan base because the no. front office did or didn't do him dirty. Uh, I still think there's lots to come out about whether or not he actually was told he wasn't going to be traded straight up. Uh, that seems yeah. a little bit unlikely to me, but um, who am I to question what he's saying? So we'll see what happens there. I'm sure there's plenty of reporting there. If there's one thing that kind of bums me out, it's that the Raptors front office seems to be kind of doing stuff weirdly. Um, like the, yeah. the coaching search, they were super vague on the low post this week about like the coaching search and what was what came out about it. Wintour yeah. said stuff came out but didn't really say what, but it sounds a little fishy. Um, and then the Dwayne Casey thing, you know, and just sort of the... They, they haven't been doing things as... I don't want to say not professionally, but maybe just sort of like... It's been a little bit off the book, I guess. And um, this... Seems like... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I didn't have the words, so you say. What you okay, it just seems like to me like the gloves are off a little bit. Maybe yeah. the jury's a little behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more than he had been before. Maybe he's, whether he's put himself behind the eight ball and he's like, listen, I got to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. We've seen when he gets, you know, under pressure that he's a competitive guy who doesn't really, you know, have time maybe for niceties. Yeah. And uh, so maybe some of the coaching interviews were that. Maybe he just wasn't giving people some of, them some of the treatment that they're used to. And again, it was his first time ever hiring a coach, right? So yeah. um, maybe a bit of a learning curve there. But definitely the way this was handled the fact that he did it you know from another continent was being lauded but also maybe didn't allow him to have the kind of the personal touch to it that you would hope yeah you'd hope maybe that guy that DeRozan had earned so that's but maybe it was now or never right so you never you never know like yeah. you said there's probably gonna be more details that come out so yep we'll see um for sure it's uh interesting to be to be certain but um I was gonna say something but I forget now 
God damn it. What were you talking about? The tomorrow, December? The, uh, I don't know. Well, I'll think about it and tweet about it or something because God knows I need to do more of that. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. Dan is at Slamming Danny G on Twitter. Dan, thank you so much for coming on, my dude. Anything you want to plug right now? Uh, no, you know, Raptors HQ guys always get over there, read it for all your hot takes, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of Kawhi content coming over the next few days. There's one thing we definitely are known for uh, on our site of nerds and cap wizards and people who are always saying it's fine. It's hot takes. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. Uh, I also write for Raptors HQ if you've not listened to the podcast or know about me at all yet. Uh, so check that out. Uh, and again, subscribe, rate, review. It's the best way to support the show. As always, it's very helpful. It makes me feel good. We're over 100 ratings on iTunes now. Let's get to 200 people. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. It feels like a PR hit right now, for sure, right. because of everything that's gone into it. DeMar's Instagram post, all this stuff, the the lack of certainty as to whether Kawhi is coming or not. The second Kawhi hits the floor for the Raptors and does something kawaii, kawaii? That's an island. Uh, the second he does something Kawhi Leonard-like, that's really going to do a lot to sort of wash away these bad feelings. And these bad feelings pass, man. Like, this is a thing that happens in the NBA we all accept loyalty is not a thing anymore, so I don't know why we care so much about it when it's not shown because it's accepted on both sides, players and teams. Like, it's not really a thing that's expected, so I don't know why we care so much about it. But, um, like, the Raptors traded Rudy Gay, who was the godfather, is the godfather of Kyle Lowry's kid, and they moved on from that, and Kyle Lowry re-signed twice. So I'm not particularly concerned about how this will change, how the, the, the impression of the Raptors is. These things pass. It's emotional right now. Things are said in the moment, but... Um, we'll see how it all plays out, but I, I think the, the PR hit will not seem quite as dire a couple months from now after things kind of cool down and we get some clarity on the on Kawhi situation. So that's all I have. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you on Thursday. I'm going to do a podcast with Jeff Garcia of Locked on Spurs and a little crossover, and then on Friday, myself and Katie Heindel are going to do a DeMar DeRozan tribute podcast, which I'm very excited to do. Um, so stay tuned for all that, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Awesome, dude. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.